Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, today, David Morrison and I sit down and talk about uh, going from a charismatic type of spirituality or worship to a contemplative um, lifestyle or worship and uh, sort of what that looks like, how that uh, evolved in David's life and um, maybe for others in the years to come. So uh, interesting, interesting topic. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering for our uh, podcast. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. Um, We appreciate you letting us use that music in the background. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. You can also check out drcrpod.com for other episodes, including um, our series Road to Desert Rain which will be coming back in 2022. Uh, Please tell a friend or share us on social media if you're enjoying what you hear. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Good morning, David Morrison. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm okay. We're both a little out of it today, so <laughs> I feel uh, easy like Saturday morning. <laughs> I feel punched in the mouth like a allergy fall. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna throw something out there, see if it works. We might bury this one, we'll see. Um, but something you sort of uh recommended or suggested or just th- kind of threw out there and Maybe you can give us the start us off with an elevator pitch, but this idea of um, a charismatic experience uh, evolving or maturing into a contemplative experience, and so maybe you could kind of give an overarching uh, thought process or idea in and around that to start us off. Sure. Well, I guess we need to define. That tradition, I guess, both traditions. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. So the charismatic slash Pentecostal tradition in Christianity, uh, I guess, I guess the modern Pentecostal movement uh, usually puts its roots in, I believe, in Kansas. Mm. Uh, some revival meetings, you know, where people began to speak with other tongues right. and and crazy things. I swear, I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> And then, or uh, the Azusa Street revival, what they call it in in California, okay, with William Seymour, um, which was a prayer meeting, and I think he, I think it was a house. I think it might have started at his church first, and okay. but he was a he was a black man, and and they were integrated. This is early 1900s. Oh wow, like 1901, you know some, and. So I think they were kicked out of the church building, and then they moved to a house. Those crazy Californians being ahead of their time. Yeah, who would have thought, right? <laughs> and I was reading up a little bit on, for another reason, not for this, mm-hmm. but just uh, some of the the Pentecostal early tent revivalists. Uh, a lot of their meetings were integrated, racially integrated. Uh, oh, interesting. It was 1940s, as early as the 40s, so not, 50s. So even outside of California. Like yeah, these a, guys traveled. Common, yeah, they traveled around. Billy Graham was kind of an early, even his. He's not a charismatic or a Pentecostal, but uh, but he was a traveling rev, uh, mm-hmm. evangelist. With, I, I don't know if he had a tent or not, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they would actually buy these tents. Right, so I was like, reading up on some of these, like old school circus tents. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, Eight, they'd fit twenty thousand people. Really? There's one I read on Wikipedia wow. last night. Uh, a guy named A. A. Allen. I was reading up on this guy, uh, and his That's story incredible. is pretty much the typical. It's it's the it's the tradition of Pentecostals and Charismatics. So the preacher becomes a star, mm. uh, becomes wealthy, becomes uh, 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 famous, you know, becomes a celebrity preacher, uh, and then and then divorces his first wife, right? <laughs> and, then, and somehow survives that scandal, and then. And then they're arrested for drunk driving at some point or some sort of 
incident will take place. <laughs> and then they'll kind of survive that one. And then they, uh, yeah, just die in alcoholism. <laughs> and uh, well, and leave behind a ranch you, or a... Sometimes you can <laughs> sprinkle in a sex scandal with all oh, that, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got that, too. And <laughs> that's so that's the Pentecostal tradition. Uh, you know, and I don't mean to be insulting, but it's true. If yeah. you look, it's the pattern. Uh, and but and so it's easy to dismiss the Pentecostals and the Charismatics as goofy, oh. as sometimes corrupt. Uh, you know, and the way uh, you know the show Righteous Gemstones, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, is 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 actually pretty accurate in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. The mega church operation on that show is yeah, that's very accurate. Uh, the language that they use, like they talk like you and I with our salty language. I don't think actual event i think i think they don't really cuss in their personal lives because mm. it's because that's an easy thing to not do to cut out right. and then you could say i'm a righteous person yeah it's an easy it's a it's a fake morality kind of thing but anyway i digress so so yeah so pentecostalism and charismatic uh experience is is usually ecstatic experiences with a you know a group of people in a meeting begin to speak in tongues. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's, uh, if you look up First uh, Corinthians in, in the New Testament, okay. uh, uh, Paul talks about it, those gift, the different giftings of, of the Spirit. And so, so the idea is that, that the Spirit gives you a language uh, oh, to speak. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I... I and and in the phenomenon, it's not clear. There's a lot of debate. So in some cases, they, I know, I've read early Pentecostal pamphlets with all the spelling errors and everything, uh, <laughs> uh, where they claim you're they would receive a language, uh, you know, a real language. Okay. And let's say you know they're in California, and they receive uh, they, they they would claim that they received the gift of. Uh, uh, you know, a real language. I'm trying to think, Swahili. Mm-hmm. And so then they would go to the continent of Africa and and be able to be missionaries. That, oh, that, was, that, that was their claim. That's the claim, yeah. yeah okay, I don't I think see. they yeah, can yeah. verify that. Does, so, and this I, this might be a stretch, but does this idea of giftings of, of uh, tongues or whatever, is it connected somehow to the Tower of Babel? Like have they made, is there some kind of... I think theologically, they theologians, uh, you know, because it comes from the second chapter of Acts. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's definitely a symbolic. It's a it's a restoration of what mm-hmm. happened at the Tower of Babel. I see. Uh, it's definitely a uh, uh, what you what 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 uh, experts, and I'm not an expert. I'm not a theologian. Right. I don't, I'm not the son of a theologian, but I've read a couple books as a lay person. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it would be considered a recapitulation. So that's mm. the name, where where you know where it, it's the the past event is a foreshadowing of this future event. Oh right, and, right, and, right. And it's a fulfillment. So so the day of Pentecost, in the, as described in Acts chapter two, the disciple. Maybe we should have started with that. Uh, this is after the resurrection. Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the gift to come. So they huddle up in the upper room where they had the mm-hmm. the the Eucharist meal, and they and they're praying, they're singing, and then, I didn't realize that was the same room. Yeah, yeah, the, this upper room that they had rented or right their borrowed. Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something tells me they didn't pay the rent on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so yeah, so I, and and then in the middle of of all that, the room. Uh, Seems to be uh, to be have sh- uh, been shaken, and they heard the sound of of uh, of a mighty wind that mm-hmm. came through, and right, they literally right. saw flames over each other's heads, and they began to speak in loud uh, other languages mm. that were recognizable. So it spills out onto the street apparently, and there was a feast day, the the Pentecost. That's the Greek word. It's the it's the Feast of Tabernacles was taking place in Jerusalem. Okay. So there were a lot of uh tourists. Tour- yeah. As they say. <laughs> from yeah, the diaspora Jews from from uh, many lands 
who were speaking those languages, and so they heard those languages. Wow. And 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 what the verse says that what they were saying were speaking of the wonders of God. That's what it was. Each disciple. Yeah, in yeah, their the, own, yeah. The, the one speaking in tongues, were. the 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 observers on the street mm-hmm. heard them. Yeah, it, they were speaking of the wonders of God. Uh, so that's so that's the one gift. But then it also seems to have in the charismatic movement, Romans chapter, uh, I believe it's eight. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit prays through us with groans and utterances too deep for words. So they would call it a prayer language. Okay. It's kind of controversial, you know. Uh, Is it controversial within the Pentecost movement, or you mean like no? I mean Pentecostals mainstream. and Charismatics are controversial. I see amongst uh, the rest of institutional Christianity. Right. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the team. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, you know, and there is a lot of goofiness, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of silliness, uh, but I, I, you know. I, there's some respect for that too. I think yeah. you know, not not the extravagant wealth. I don't respect that. Uh, I don't respect deception. You know, in, in some of these revival meetings, for example, they would provide wheelchairs for chronically ill. You know, people that were really hurting yeah, when they're yeah. waiting for prayer for the evangelist. So they would provide a wheelchair for this person to sit on, and then when it was their turn to get prayed, they got wheeled up, and then you know they didn't. Use the wheelchair, right? They but, didn't actually need. Yeah, but to right. the observers, it looked like they rose up out of the wheelchair, you know. So I don't respect the parlor tricks. And, yeah, and I've seen it even in the vineyard. Uh, unfortunately, vineyard, the modern, a modern charismatic movement, uh, uh, the the trick of of someone's legs not being equal, and so they have them stretch out their legs and and they pray in it and they. Right. Become even. You know, that's a parlor trick. Give yeah. me a break. That's not the re- or or I've seen videos on YouTube. You, you can find them, you know. During our worship, glow uh uh glowing uh gold glitter was coming out of the air conditioner vents. Yeah, because somebody was pouring glitter. That's why you <laughs> dork. So so there is foolishness in that sense, and I don't respect that, but I do respect the uh there's there's an old movie called The Apostle. Mm. Uh oh, what was his name? The actor, he's one of the big actors, uh, Robert Duvall. That's who oh, it was. Oh, okay. And and that captures that old school panic. So so he's flawed. He's incredibly flawed, but yet still gets up every day and, and tries to be faithful mm. to serve God in the way that he sees fit. I respect that, you know. And Which I res- and I think that's a human experience, right? Yeah, being a deeply flawed person, and and you know maybe in the maybe not in the Christian world, but just in general, you're trying to do the best you can. Yeah. Right. And, and, but in, in this idea of what we're talking about, Christianity, yeah. you know, being, being as faithful as you can to your understanding. Yeah. And in that tradition, there's definitely a willingness amongst these folks to, uh, to do anything, to be fools. Mm. They have a, they have a boldness like that. And right. I respect that. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I respect the the fact that the uh, uh, the early Pentecostal movement, anyway, even though now you wouldn't see this because it's a prosperity gospel now, mm-hmm. success right. gospel, uh, which we've covered in some of the past. Yeah, yeah, podcasts. it evolved in that about the seventies, nineteen seventies, late seventies, eighties, with the Reagan Revolution. They all became, uh, uh, you know, wealth became the the goal, the goal gold r- rather than empowerment of the spirit to serve mm. the gospel in the world. But they were uh, they were the poor, they were the gathered poor. They were the gathered, uh, and they were integrated, like I mentioned, uh, racially integrated early. They ordained women, uh, and so that's I respect that. Yeah. You know, uh, when the so called Methodists, you know, they didn't do that. You know, and the the, the Presbyterians and the you know. The Catholics still, yeah. The Catholics are, are still, still running from that. <laughs> they might let a woman become a nun, and and the nuns do all the work. Do the work, right? <laughs> all the work of the Roman Catholic Church is done on the backs of all the nuns. Right. That they do it all. Uh, but anyway, um, so there are those kinds of things. So that's the charismatic movement. Uh, there are other giftings other than speaking in tongues. There's prophecy, uh, in the sense of. Uh, uh, you know, in the vineyard movement, we 
define prophecy as not so much uh, a prediction of the future. That's not really the emphasis. The emphasis is what is God speaking to this group of people right now? Mm, what is the sense of the the message from the Spirit? Which is very Quaker. Yeah, Quakers sure. do that. You know, what is God? What is Christ speaking to our group as we gather? Uh, and and so there is this seeking after the presence of God and the sense of God's presence, and then and then there are signs of God's presence in in their in our midst. And mm-hmm. so that's what charismatics, and so so healing would be one of those. Okay. Praying for the sick, laying hands on people to be healed. Uh, usually, uh, it's a nondescript illness that gets healed. <laughs> but nevertheless, they try. There's a healing that, that takes place. Yeah. So, so, I'm, so I'm not saying jump into it wholeheartedly, and I'm not saying dismiss it either. Is what I'm, that's the place where I'm at now, where I was wholeheartedly well, in it. And I still speak in tongues personally uh, to this day. It's a part of my, my everyday prayer. Uh, what I was going to say. Not loud. <laughs> I, well, that was the part I was going to introduce now is that for those that maybe haven't listened to previous podcasts or um, have been jumping around, your experience as far as your um, road to the contemplative life yeah. started, you grew up Catholic. Your family was a Catholic family. right? Uh, I, I think it was high school. You kind of started hanging out with the um, – in the more charismatic – Church, yeah, intentionally, yeah. Right. I, I intentionally went there and for the experience there. of God. That's what I wanted. And you were there for what two decades? Yeah, yeah. And then, and still, you know, still right. It's still part of your makeup, but yeah. as part of this conversation, well, as it progresses, but I, I would say you you lean heavily into the contemplative. Yeah, life. I definitely evolved yeah. into that. So anyway, or that, some would say fell into deception, but it doesn't, you know, whatever. Uh, whoever's perspective, you know. But, yeah, it depends on who you're asking. But anyways, just to sort of preface what we've started to talk about is that um, the conversation is going to probably closely reflect your your personal experience. Yeah. And that's all we can, you know, we're not the, theologians. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to. We've read some books and we've had experiences. All I can do is witness to my own meandering Mm-hmm. experience in life and and so and that's really what it, what it's about so the pentecostal charismatic so when i was a part of uh well what you know still am but but in the early vineyard days mm-hmm. when i was a teenager early 20s the big accusation against us was that we were it was experiential christianity that's dangerous that was considered dangerous to have experiential that's what outsiders were outside, yeah, to evangelicals, the yeah, yeah. So they have, so so they're they're obsessed with uh, getting the Bible right. Uh, they're obsessed with gatekeeping, with rules, who's in and who's out. Uh, and so they have whole radio programs on AM, uh, the <laughs> Bible Answer Men, underline Men, uh, apologists, and these kinds of characters, and um, and so yeah, and and I, I was confused by that accusation because i was like why of course you want to experience the divine <laughs> that's why we're getting together what, what do you, you want a non-experience yeah uh, do you want just a cerebral intellectual let's talk about god so my position in my teens and 20s was i don't want to talk about god i want to talk with god uh you know they they claim this god is available i want to to know this God. And, to be present. Yeah, to be God. touched by the divine, be touched by God. I want to meet this Jesus cat, right? I mean, that's isn't that? And so, you know, and John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, often used this metaphor. He would say, uh, you know, the Bible, reading the Bible is the menu. Oh, interesting. And so when you go to a restaurant, you don't... Uh, <laughs> You you don't look at the pictures on the menu and eat that. Right. <laughs> you know they don't they don't take the menu back and cook it and boil it. Yeah, and, and bring it back. And bring it you. back to your <laughs> table. It's it's a representation. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a sign that points to. And so so his analogy was you know the Bible itself, and therefore creeds and doctrines, uh, and all of that are uh, the menu, but the but Jesus Christ is the meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it, it's a little crude, but it, I think that works for us, you know? And, and so, that, well, so yeah, go ahead. And, well, before we go get too far away from it, 
the I think there are some people out there that just want a cerebral experience. Yeah. Because then it's easier to be right. Exactly. If you're just in this land of rules and regulations and yeah. uh, gatekeeping, I think Certitudes. was one of the words. Right. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I just read this week a, a quote from Carl Jung who uh, said, uh, religion is an organized defense against the experience of God. That's what religion is. It's, oh, it's, it's an organized defense against the experience of God. And so, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so going back to this idea of the meal, of experiencing the divine. Yeah, so that that's what attracted me to the charismatic world. Uh, and there's some fine line differences between Pentecostals and charismatics. Uh, you know, uh, Pentecostals would tend to say, uh, if you don't speak in tongues and you've never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, a, what they call a second baptism of the Spirit, mm. you've never experienced if you don't speak in tongues. Charismatics are like, eh, uh, maybe, maybe you do, do, maybe you don't. Who knows? It's, these are more general guidelines than rules. Yeah, uh, and that that fit me better. I'm a, a you know I'm more of a I'm one of those evil relativists. Uh, mm -hmm. It is and it isn't. I'm very comfortable with that. And, yeah. Uh, I think because that's how life is. <laughs> right, and I think you know I think if you say you have to speak in tongues, that lends for people that are scared that they're doing it wrong. To start speaking yeah, in tongues yeah, just yeah. because that that's the right yeah. answer. And there's a lot of superstition in that too. People say, well, those are demonic tongues. <laughs> so it wasn't, so what if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? It was the devil. <laughs> and uh and that and Southern Baptists always, that's one of their go-to uh urban legends, is that somebody somebody spoke in tongues in a meeting at some point and it was of the devil, and everybody right. ran. <laughs> that was one of the 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 defenses against speaking in tongues, uh, the 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 more uh, mainline denominations, they just see it as foolishness, and, right? And superstition, and uh, you know, and so that was good for when the the Bible was written, and yeah, being, being yeah, passed around exactly. word of mouth type of stuff, but a civilized human being, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, respected, because right. Methodists in the Methodist movement. The early Methodists were, they were Pentecostal in that sense. They, uh, these strange phenomena would happen in their meetings. People would fall down. Mm. Uh, all that kind of stuff would happen, and they were, they were wild and, and crazy. And then, you know, in my opinion, from the best that, I, that I've read, uh, they, they wanted to get the, the credibility uh. that the Presbyterians had in the—, in the and the other Lutheran yeah, the other, denominations. The other, and so they began to build buildings and mm -hmm. instead of being itinerant preachers and circuit riders and that kind of thing, they they began to... Which is really funny because that is, I mean, they, do, they are a, a respected denomination now if you're in the terms of... Right. The comparing them to other denominations. Yeah, instead of these wild Western... Yeah, and it's funny because they still really hold close to that moving their pastors every year to yeah to a new yeah. building. So right. it's funny that they did stick. They're like, we'll stick with this part of it. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so uh the the thing that really sort of jumped into my mind as you were describing this um charismatic or what attracted you to it. Yeah. Was uh, experiencing the divine. Yeah, I wanted to experience God. I wanted to meet God in a deeper way, a deeper level. If there's more, I want to know this. I, I want to experience this more. And how? Uh, like when, was, when did when did that? When did you realize that? You know, in a real way. Uh, you mean the that you wanted that the reason you were attracted to that. To, charis to the charismatic movement was because you wanted to, was it early on? Like, was it immediate? Was it after hanging out there for a few months? Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think I talked about it in one of those. Uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was a very taboo for me to go to one of these right. churches, right? Yeah, we, we did yeah. Yeah, cover that quite a bit. So, I, you know, 
so the, we made fun of these churches mm-hmm. as Catholics. You know, we called them pop up on the corner yep. churches and made fun of them. And so that was my attitude. So, okay. so it was, I feel like it was to use the Christian language. I felt like it was the spirit humbling me oh. to go to. So you make fun of these people. These are the people you're going to be your tribe yeah. <laughs> for a while. And so I, yeah. And so, uh, I think it was the first meeting I went okay. to. I, yeah, uh, I could be wrong, but yeah, Steve Alvarez was a guy I met at high school. He was a, a campus preacher. He, he had long hair, wore spandex, listened to terrible music. Uh, <laughs> you know, heavy, uh, the not heavy, uh, hair band music, yeah, yeah, which the, I despise. The big, the Even to hair. this day, I despise that that whole culture. And <laughs> no, no offense to anybody out there if you love the. If you love rat <laughs> and poison, poison and all that yep. stuff, I hated that stuff. I was a Huey Lewis in the news kind of guy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so so he invited me to. I think it, it was a like a Friday night meeting yeah. for this church, okay, uh, which became a vineyard church. And he didn't show up, <laughs> so I was there by myself. So I sat in the back as far as I could. Uh, and I, I think I, I recounted this story. So the mm-hmm. pastor, Dale Walker, uh, in, he's in Las Cruces now. Uh, so we're just, we're just going to, uh, what they call it afterglow. That's a charismatic terminology. We're just going to have afterglow. Uh, that's a Jesus people movement kind of thing. Interesting. Uh, Jesus people movement is a movement in the late 60s, throughout the 70s, uh, of young hippies mm. strung out on drugs or we're getting the Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's where a lot of these non, non-denominational churches spring uh, out. Calvary Chapel Vineyard okay. is really loosely connected to that. Okay. And so anyway, that's, that's kind of what, what happened. And so I closed, I was just closing my eyes and sitting there hoping nobody would talk to me and, uh, and the next thing you know, he's sitting next to me and he's like, would you like to speak in tongues? And so he prayed for me and, uh, you know. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and it was very empowering. It was a very, it definitely was a, an incredible experience. Uh, but at some point, you, you don't hold on to the experience in the sense of, yeah, I climbed Mount Everest. I got that experience. It's off my bucket list. It's not, you can't do, you know, there's a tendency to do that in spirituality. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, to collect an experience, uh, and so, uh, but it, but it did have a, a massive impact on my life. I feel in the way that I see the world, and uh, and definitely for, for just peace, you know, to receive, uh, you know, uh, emotional peace in my in my life. So, yeah, and this so this next one might be a sort of hard hard needle to thread, but. Because we looked at this as like um, the charismatic movement as a whole evolving or shifting or growing towards uh, the contemplative, right? Yeah. And so I guess from your experience, how would you see or how would you begin to see something like that? sort of ebbing and flowing and and yeah. heading in that direction. Cause um, you know, I, I my experience at least in different avenues of spirituality and everything else, there is a lot of this uh sort of checking off the box or gaining gaining experiences like right. trophies. Yeah. You know, but but uh what I've learned or what it seems to be is that um, the contemplative life is kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, so so I don't kind of meandering around, but sort of how do you how do you see that evolution or um, moving towards that way of life, the contemplative life? Like yeah. where, do, where do you even start if you're at this point of collecting experiences? You know, or yeah, or being. Uh, in the certitude, I guess, of the charismatic way. Yeah. Because it obviously serves a purpose. I think it does. Yeah. I think it's very powerful for people. Uh, 
I, I think when it becomes, uh, well, let me just say this. So, so the charismatic, my theory is, and, and I think Thomas Keating wrote an obscure essay on this, that the contemplative uh, practice of prayer is, is a maturing, is an evolving from the charismatic. They are connected. Uh, and so if one is the seeking after experiences, I want to experience God's love. I want to experience God's power. I want to experience the presence of God. Uh, the contemplative is a surrendering of those experiences. Mm. To not become so identified with them. And so what happens in the charismatic and Pentecostal world is you become uh, over-identified. I've been filled with the Spirit, have you? I'm, so therefore, I'm better than you. Yeah. Uh, A hierarchy starts yeah, to Yeah, God has used build. me to heal people. Uh, and so I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to, and they do that. They'll go around calling themselves apostles. <laughs> they do, uh, or prophet, uh -huh. you know, evangelist. And so there's this, there's, so the ego eventually, yeah, and this happens in any, this isn't just in Christianity. This is the human experience. Mm -hmm. You you have an, a, an experience with the presence of God, with the numinous, with beauty, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to describe it. And the ego wants to control it and take it over and create patterns and uh, to control it, you know, um, and to, uh, and to have an identity in it. And so that's, that's kind of what happens. And so the contemplative gets you out of that. The contemplative is the surrendering of that identity. It teaches you how to surrender. And that's a big theme. I've, I think I've said that in, even in, you know, there's, there's a Pentecostal uh, writer, uh, from back in the day, Andrew Murray, I believe. And he wrote a lot of, on surrendering. A.W. Tozer uh, is, is a charismatic favorite. And he wrote a lot about the, the, the surrendering to God. And, and so... And I mean, that's one of the main themes of 12-step groups. Yeah. The recovery world is this idea of surrender. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to Meister Eckhart, which is this, the contemplative is what says you need to surrender uh, your experience of God to God. Mm. And then you need to surrender your idea of God that you thought was God. You need to surrender that idea of God. Otherwise you get stuck in this kind of idolatrous mm -hmm. right. kind of thing. And, and in my opinion, uh, particularly the charismatic, the modern charismatic kinds of churches, they are by and large in total idolatry with, with they sold their soul to politics right. in recent years. Uh, and it was over a silly prophecy that Trump was God's trumpet, and there, and so they they became obsessed with this corrupt, uh, failed businessman who became a corrupt, failed politician, and they put all their hopes and dreams on this one person, and and it's uh, it's idolatry, you know. One, well, I think I was going to say, do you think even before that, because you'd mentioned like the you know sort of during the eighties this obsession with with wealth and, yeah, and money. Yeah. Do you think that's sort of a natural progression? If you um, idolize money, eventually your profit's going to become a, biz, a perceived billionaire yeah. uh, businessman, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, and if you look at a lot of these celebrity pastors uh, who are wealthy, if you look at their backgrounds, this is just a theory I have, I don't know. A lot of them were... Uh, grew up in abject poverty. Mm. And so I think there's a, an emotional trauma in their lives uh, growing up poor. Because being poor sucks. Is, and it, well, it's terrible. It's, it's well, awful. it's even more than terrible. It's, it's traumatizing. It is traumatizing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in, in so many ways, you know. And so so I, I uh, my theory is, is that what, that's what they're compensating mm -hmm. for, you know. Right. And, and so I need five cars, you know. I need uh that I need a second boat. Kids, we're having a bad year. We're gonna have to get the medium-sized jacuzzi <laughs> this year. You know that. So they, yeah. So they, I. I that's just. Uh, yeah, maybe it's a human thing. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'm, I'm not. You know, I've never been privy to sudden wealth and success. Yeah. I've never been tested that way. So I don't know how I would respond, honestly. Um. So to sort of backtrack to this idea of. Um, Re releasing, surrendering your identity yeah. that you've built. 
I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but what was the what were some of the things you had to surrender to continue down this path of because I feel like it, it probably had to happen early on. Yeah. Making such a big change from, you know, having this church to yeah. being like, oh, we're going to move in the middle of the desert. So what were some of the things you had to release that you identified closely with or surrender maybe is, is the right word? Yeah. Probably one of the more painful ones was uh, the gift of healing and the, and my understanding of healing. I had a, you know, a typical charismatic slash Pentecostal view that uh, okay. the spirit is still at work today in healing. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Right. Uh, but we pretended that uh, more healings happened than they did. Um, and a lot so of sort of padding your numbers, so to speak. To, con- to prop up a worldview uh, that, you know, and, and that's a problem in, that's an identity crisis within the vineyard movement because it was founded on signs and wonders. It was founded right. on uh, people getting miraculously healed. And when the founder died, it did, and, and, and his thesis, John Wimber's thesis was everyone can do this. That's why he was so revolutionary. I was going to say that was the one of the things that stuck out to me because when we we did an episode on John Wimber, if, if yeah, anyone's yeah. interesting, so you can go back and listen to that. But I, I read a couple things and wa- I think I watched two pretty long videos, and it, it that's the part that jumped out to me was yeah. was him saying that this, this is uh, accessible to anybody. Yeah, there's not some special. Yeah, and that's that's why I was so attracted to the Vineyard as a teenager because they'll let me play. Right. You know? uh, <laughs> I don't have to go to some special school and yeah, get yeah. ordained through a special process. Exactly. And else, right. And uh, yeah, so that that was revolutionary for the time. Uh, any believer can be empowered to put their hands on sick people and they'll get healed. Well, after you've, and then he used to say, pray for a thousand people to be healed. And then if none of them get healed, then go around, then you can say God doesn't heal today. Mm. Uh, but the problem is I've prayed for probably 10,000 and, you know, and a lot of nondescript illnesses got healed. And I'm not saying none, you know, it never right. happened, but uh, it's not conclusive enough to make, to make it an emphasis of your entire life. And that was a very painful realization for me. How did you, how were you able to walk through it at the time? It was process. It wasn't a day and night, but the one was, you know, here I am praying passionately and fervently in my early 20s. And then one morning, uh, you know, at two in the morning, I get a phone call and my brother was crushed by a, a rock wall mm. a block away from where I lived. Uh, well, that didn't sound like victory. That didn't feel like an answered prayer. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other very painful one I think we've talked about was a, a two-year-old child uh, suddenly died. And we, you know, we prayed fervently for the healing before she died. And then we even prayed for her to be raised from the dead. That's at the funeral home. Right. And, and so those were very painful experiences. And I had to, and, you know, and as you get older, you just have to, see that the universe really is random <laughs> there is a, you can't deny that there's a randomness and and i know that offends so many people when you say that uh um uh, that that you know that life is very random it's very fragile uh we really are uh, a pale blue dot suspended on a sunbeam we literally are that in the vastness of space and and i i, I know that's very hard for uh, theist, you know, people that believe in God, uh, in a, in that traditional view of God, uh, I, I know they have a hard time with that. Well, I had a reminder of the, this randomness or sort of chaos that is in the universe. I was talking to a friend last night and they recounted a story. I want to say it happened six months ago, a friend of theirs in like a, a nice part of New York. Someone in the apartment above them accidentally discharged a gun, went through the floor into their bed and hit this woman in the femur. 
Oh, my goodness. And she's a nurse. And she survived. Oh, good. You know, and at the ER, they said if it was one, like, it very well could have hit somewhat, like, within an yeah. inch or two that where she would have bled out. Yeah. Or lost her leg. And neither of those things happened. Wow. But it's like. Yeah. What are the what are the chances yeah. of sleeping in your bed and a bullet coming through and hitting yeah. you in the leg, you know? And um it, when I was on the phone with him, I you know, I pointed to the the idea of the secret and it's like, you know, this you can manifest. It's like so oh, what yeah, what was yeah, she yeah. thinking up until the time where she laid down that yeah. night and a bullet hit her in the leg. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, probably, you know, you're just gaslighting someone at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it goes back to what you're just saying is like there's randomness and chaos in the yeah. world uh, that we want to explain as humans. We like yeah. stories, but sometimes it's just randomness. Yeah, and that's a very hard thing for particularly charismatic Christians to deal with because God is in control. If you if you deny that or question that God is in control of every detail, they'll, they'll throw they'll hammer you with half a dozen verses from the Bible and that actually exists that are there. Yeah, yeah the his eyes on the sparrow. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, but all, my, all I can say is okay, Boomer. What? Uh, because uh, it's just. It's it's just not true. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying God's presence isn't in the randomness. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there's no hope. That's what they hear you saying. And because the contemplative invites you into that, mm. into, uh, you know, what John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul the, right. or the cloud of unknowing, you know. And so so, so that's a big transition of, of evolving spiritually uh, from charismatic experience to contemplative experience is one is God is absolutely in control of every detail. Mm -hmm. And the other is I'm releasing that control. And even, even the possibility that God is directing every little detail of things. Uh, I'm going into the fog, uh, trusting, trusting that God is involved somehow, you know, uh, or, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, before yeah, before I think that I mean that's that I mean that's obviously where we're headed. But before we get there, I, I am interested. Was it was there anything else that was really tough to surrender beyond the healing, as as you made? And I know it's like it's sort of like yeah. an onion, right? Like layers get get taken away yeah. year by year, so it's an ongoing process. But was there anything else that really stood out to you that you yeah, were maybe surprised by? I was surprised by so in my charismatic experience, the emphasis was on on the fire of God, the passion of God, the love of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God right. to be uh, uh, fully resident inside of me, mm. inside of my body, inside of my mind and my soul. Uh, and 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 you know, there's a verse in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, the the. The word of God was burning in my bones. Um, uh, this fire, this idea of fire, you know, this this analogy. Um, so the emphasis was that it was shut up in me. I was an I was an emblazoned human being. Well, it wasn't so much a, an intellectual surrender, but it was a shifting of perspective. The contemplative allowed me to see no that fire of God's living flame, mm -hmm. God's presence, God's love is everywhere. It's everywhere oh, now. It's not okay. shut up in me as a unique individual. Right. Now it's uh, the flames are everywhere. Uh, every tree is ablaze, if you will. Yeah. So that's that was a shift for me. And so the surrender I guess would be uh my 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 old charismatic friends who knew me back then and they're still in that you know in that right. world uh would see me as lukewarm. They would see oh, me. Oh, that as, you've shifted yeah, to yeah. Lukewarm. That I've compromised. I've, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Lukewarm is the word, and so they, that's a verse that preachers like to hammer and manipulate people with. Uh, in Revelation, uh, Christ is is evaluating the churches in the in the area, and one of them. Uh, so I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. <laughs> And so they love to use that. They love that image of Jesus throwing you up like he had a bender. 
uh, was at the sports bar so and he went out into the alley and threw you up, you know, and it's right. ridiculous. It's, it's just not, yeah. it's, it's inconsistent with the overall center message of love and grace and, uh, and all that. Uh, do you remember the catalyst for you realizing that it wasn't just in you, yeah. but it was actually in everything? I can remember one, yeah, incident, uh, this a woman that I had uh, spent a lot of time in the prayer room with. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was she was an older woman. Uh, you know, we had spent a lot of time praying, interceding, and these passionate prayer meetings. You know, that kind of thing. And so she came out here to visit shortly after we had set up shop here right. in Desert Rain, and and she got the nickel tour, and we talked a little bit. And I, th- I think we might have had a meeting. I don't remember. And so I was walking her to her car, and she. Looked at me. She was. This is all you want. This is it. She was disappointed. You know. Oh uh, wow. You know this of the simplicity of the place. Right. And and uh, and I was like, well, yeah. The moon was rising. I was looking at her, and uh, the the full moon was rising over her head. And I'm like, yeah. What else is there? You know. This is the most. I live in beauty. I walk in beauty. And uh, so she and she meant you know spiritual power is what she meant. She meant uh, becoming a powerful minister of the gospel kind of thing. And so so there was a surrendering of people's image yeah. of me being that uh, a prophetic person, you know, someone right. that has the ear of God, uh, somebody that knows what God is speaking, you know, and, uh, you know. And this woman uh, recently, years, she sent me a series of emails that I ignored. Uh, about uh, the election being stolen and, <laughs> and we need to pray. The Supreme Court is about to meet uh, and they're going to overturn the election. So you need to pray. And uh, all I can do is, you know, feel sad yeah. for her because that's what she devolved into. I feel like I, what I, my simplicity, my lukewarmness, if you want to call it that. Uh, let me just say uh, getting thrown, uh, being uh, vomited out of Jesus' mouth hasn't been that bad. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> so my life is good. Uh, well, it's funny well. because, uh, you know, we, we've, you and I have recounted how, you know, how long we've known each other and blah, blah, blah. But lukewarm towards the divine or what, you know, that's not how I would never, that would never cross my mind as a way to describe you, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like the way you live yeah. your life. And it, it just, it's very interesting though, that when people witness change. Yeah. Right? So yeah. The, I didn't know you during your charismatic year. Yeah. Right? I was a very intense young man. <laughs> um, but there are people there, right? And so they see you change Yeah, and yeah. it's immediately um, connected to, to something that's bad or, or yeah, devolved, yeah. right? Like, cause it's not, if it's not me, then, you know, if they're not like me, then they yeah. must be off. Yeah. They must, they must yeah. be different. So, and I, you know, and I question that stuff, you know, the, the, cause I was in that prophetic gifting kind of thing. That's what I was known for. Right. And, uh, and, and it's a, it's a racket. I'm sorry, but it, it is after, if you hang around that crowd and read that material and listen to those sermons, long enough, you see a, an, it, it comes back around like bad fashion. So, so this year, 2021, the Lord says this is going to be the year of Jubilee. God is calling a year of Jubilee. Your debts are going to be canceled. Well, people are desperate, right? So they're going to grab onto that. Right. Well, guess what? 2021, uh, 1980 was the year of Jubilee. 1990 uh, was the 2009. year. 2009. Yeah, it's always, it's, so it's the same, and it's always on the horizon it's going to come but it's never here and now mm. and so so that's a lot of the the in the charismatic world the emphasis is on the future right whereas the contemplative calls you into this present moment right now in the smallest of details whereas the charismatic celebrates the grandiose and the big thing uh, uh you know i'm in this cosmic war mm. and so and and the danger of that is if if you see yourself in a cosmic war uh, good versus evil, darkness versus light, which is that's the the right, view. That's the terminology. Uh, then it, then my bullshit, my bullshittery, and even my evil gets a pass because I'm on the side of good. Mm. So even the evil things that I do are not going to be questioned, scrutinized because uh, 
because I'm on the side of good. Right. I'm, and, I'm and, with the good yeah. guys. And we see that in, you know, in the world, right? You know, we're, we got attacked on 9-11. We were the good guys. Mm -hmm. And so next thing you know, we're torturing people and we- Yeah, kill, black ops yeah. sites. <laughs> and we you know, destroyed inf you know, people's lives in mm -hmm. Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. So- And so to sort of- go back into this idea of, of walking into the, the fog of the unknowing and, and yeah. um, not necessarily giving up the certitudes, right. But just allowing them maybe to fall away as we, yeah. as we walk into this, um, you know, cause I, so I, I guess I could speak a little bit to my own contemplative life is like, um, some days I don't I don't want to walk into that cloud, right? Like no, I, I want to stay away. Yeah, I want from some it. sunlight. Yeah, I avoid the meditation, or you know yeah. what I mean, or you know I, I don't I don't open crack open any any of my uh, books that I like reading for spiritual yeah. uh, life, and and so I, I I guess maybe that would be my question to you is is what would you say you've been on this contempl contemplative life 15 years, 20 yeah. years, something like that. And so what, what helps you stay motivated being in that cloud of unknowing, being trying to stay in the moment, uh, trying to, to yeah. understand, right? Like understand a lot of stuff is out of our control, but there's still the sort of human side of us that wants control and wants patterns right. and all this. And so what, what, what helps you, I, I think motivated is the wrong word, but what helps you stay engaged with that, with, with the contemplative lifestyle? Yeah. I, th I think as you, I think we've talked about this, but uh, there, there's an Eastern Orthodox book called, I think it's the Pilgrim or the Pilgrim's Way. Maybe mm. I, it's been a while since I've read it. It's on the Jesus prayer. So okay. it's, it's a guy who wants to, and I think you were going to have an Orthodox priest on, right? Yeah. To I, talk about I, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, yeah. Thank you for reminding uh, me. Yeah. So so this prayer uh, in Greek, Kieri uh, Eliasson, uh, Lord have mercy. It comes from the the parable of the the uh, tax gatherer and the Pharisee, um, you know, that Jesus told. They, they go to the temple to pray, and the Pharisee is... Uh, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like this jackass next to me. Uh, I do this, I do that, I tithe, I, I vote Republican, I, you know, la, 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 la. And, and then the, and the tax collector wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, and he beat his breast, and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the prayer of humility. And so in that tradition— uh, uh, you pray that prayer over and over, but the but what happens in the in the tradition is that the prayer begins to pray you, mm -hmm. and you just become it, and then your life just is so integrated with prayer uh, and presence uh, that it's there's no motivation to do it because it's not something that you're doing anymore. It's something that you just are. It becomes part of your life. Yeah, and it's and that and even that isn't an achievement. It sounds like I'm mm -hmm. right. pointing towards, but it's not an achievement. It's just a in the sense of, uh, uh, I, I guess a, a tree producing an apple, it's it's not an achievement. It's just what the tree does, right? right? Uh, the tree doesn't make this effort. I'm going to be really good this winter. I'm going to have the, the gonna, best apples. Yeah, I'm going to stretch my roots further than they've ever gone before. No, it's just it responds to the external stimuli and it becomes a tree and it does. It's becoming. <laughs> Yeah. It just is, you know, in that sense. And so I think that's, at least in my experience, uh, so, so it's not really a motivation to, there really isn't a motivation anymore uh, uh -huh. in the sense of, uh, I, I need to go for a while. I just, it's something that I, uh, I make a joke with my daughter. She hadn't been with us in several months uh, because of COVID. And then she was sitting out on the porch smoking a cigarette. And I came by with a, uh, a bucket of ice. Because I make ice. Oh yeah, it's yeah, a weird setup man. that we have. So, <laughs> so I have to make ice. We have a miniature ice maker because the one in our refrigerator broke. Gave out. Yeah. <laughs> this is so weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. It out loud. 
That it's, sounds so it's bizarre. It's the silliest thing ever, <laughs> but it's like it's it's such a wonderful setup. And Anyways. I've been making this ice for what a year? A year? Now? Yeah, maybe even longer. And so I make <laughs> so I'm walking by, and she's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I told her, I just and I said, "I I make ice. I'm an ice maker now. It's who I am. It's what I do. I make ice." And she just laughed at you know laughed at me, uh, but that. That's kind of what. That's funny. Because <laughs> yeah. it is. I refer to you when I see you dumping the ice. I say, thank you, Iceman. Yeah. I appreciate that. Just, the Iceman. <laughs> just become the most yeah. normal thing ever. It could ever. be worse. Than, I could be the ass man. I don't want to be. <laughs> or worse than that, the jackass man. And so I'm the Iceman. Oh, so, yeah. So it just <laughs> becomes that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's just. So. And I think there's a psalm. I forget which one. Uh, but I've heard this one teaching. One of the ones maybe David wrote. What's that? <laughs> I said oh. one of the ones that David wrote, maybe. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I'm just being silly. But, and I'm paraphrasing it because, you know, this is the top of my head here. But uh, but the original sense of the of the Hebrew is, is you know, when all this comes up against me, I, th- I think the English translates, I, I pray to you, mm-hmm. God. But uh, but the, in the Hebrew, the idea is actually... I prayer. In other words, I become the prayer. I, right. I am the prayer. And so so I think that's kind of what where the contemplative will eventually take you. Not and again, I don't mean that in a sense of uh here and there, because there is no achievement right. in the it contemplative be, world. It's your life. Yeah. Well, I think it points back, or at least this is how I understand it. And please correct me if I I, I get it, I, I might get it wrong. But someone asked Jesus about prayer, and he says, seven times seven or seven times seven. Or forgiveness, yeah. Or forgiveness. How many times should I forgive? That's right, right, right. Peter asked him, he's, yeah, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Yeah, and, and that just sort of um, is kind of how I look at prayer. It's mm-hmm. that same sort of way yeah. is, is uh, you know, I think he's pointing to like forgiveness just becomes a part of life. Right. Right, like there's no... Like, oh, I forgive you, and it's, you know, it's over. It's just, you become a, a, a forgiving presence. Yeah. And um, I've kind of taken that same idea uh, towards prayer. Yeah, yeah. They're where it's like, very synonymous. You know, I I want to be like, oh, well, I pray, you know, I wake up early and pray for X number of minutes, and then I do it, at, you know, I have a yeah. prayer at lunch and, you know, an evening prayer and all this sort of schedule thing in my brain. But it's like, well, actually, the days that I'm, happiest and not even happiest, just content and engaged yeah. with the world and you know just doing doing life is you know when i'm praying throughout the day when you know i'm eating and I, there's some prayer involved yeah or doing some kind of work you know or exercise or what you know just living life and whatever that life thing is yeah prayers integrated in it you know exactly uh, there's a joke i heard a, a monastic joke uh uh it depends on who's telling it Mm-hmm. how it works but it's it's basically uh uh the franciscan brother went up to his superior and and said is it okay if i smoked a cigarette during prayer and then he gets disciplined <laughs> and he gets frowned upon and you know they <laughs> they beat him or whatever <laughs> and you know and and the, and so this is told from the jesuit's point of view so the jesuit brother <laughs> goes up to his superior and says hey is it okay that while i'm praying i mean while i'm smoking while I have a smoke, uh, can I pray while I'm smoking a cigarette? And it was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. So, yeah, so you smoke when you pray. You pray when you smoke. And I'm not condoning cigarette smoking, kids, you, for all you kids out there. But, yeah. Uh, but, so, yeah, it just becomes <laughs> yeah, it is it, life. And so that's kind of the contemplative experience where life itself becomes a prayer. It's not segmented anymore. Whereas in the charismatic world, uh, you pray with a very specific purpose uh, at a very specific time, right? Yeah. To, uh, yeah, yeah. Gathering. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess the point is like you're having meetings at yeah. a certain time where people come together, but it's to get people converted. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, uh, here's a good. I was thinking. I had a weird memory of. I was in this. Just you know, when I was a teacher. I was in a faculty meeting. And it was so, this particular one was so dreary and boring and just everybody was miserable. (laughs) And I was looking out at the table and I was like, 
where are you, God, in this? Where's God's presence in this one? We all hate this. Uh, and I was just, and I was like, why, why wouldn't God just show up in the room and show these people uh, his power? And why wouldn't he use me to do that? You right, know? Of course. But there, you know, so yeah. that was my perspective. Uh, that was my perspective in my late twenties. I had, I remember having that thought mm-hmm. in that faculty meeting. And then just like le- this week, I was thinking about that. That memory popped up. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was the, the observation that I failed to see that the presence of God was in each of these people. And uh, all of these people that uh, we were in this dreary meeting together uh, had hopes and dreams and complicated lives uh, and nuances and, uh, and the experience of grace and the experience of failure. Everybody was, that was taking place at that moment, but I failed to see it because of my religiosity because of my spirituality. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. So I, I think that's a change from charismatic perspective to contemplative. I think that's it, man. Yeah? I think that story nails it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, thank you again for another another uh, another episode. Thank you yes, for everyone sir. listening. We appreciate you. Send us an email. Yeah. A nice email though. You know, don't don't be mean. Someone <laughs> someone we don't know finally reached out and said That's they had right. listened. That's right. So uh thank you to them uh for reaching out and saying hello. Uh thank you to everyone that uh, we do know that has yeah. has trudged through this uh uh almost year long event of podcast releasing. adventure. Yeah. Um thank you to Jacob Nedia, that's what you hear in the background. Uh Monk Drums as always, we appreciate you. Uh, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruin.com is the place to uh, check that out. Um, our other series, if you want to hear our other series, Road to Desert Rain, which is, uh, I don't know, we're, I think we're at 15 or 16, somewhere in that neighborhood of people that have uh, sort of shared their story, oh. their individual oh. path ending up here, uh, DRCR Pod. Dot com is a place to listen to that. And um, am I missing anything? I think that's it, yeah. Okay. Thank you all. Have a wonderful day. Yeah.